Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEELS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEELS. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Well, throughout the years on Food Heals, we have heard some crazy, sometimes shocking stories on Food Heals. And so in this next series, you'll hear the best of the best. You'll hear the most shocking stories that have ever been shared on the show. You'll hear about a woman who had merely 11 hours to escape an abusive relationship with her daughter in tow without letting him find out. You'll hear from an actress who had not one, but two near-death experiences. You'll hear from a basketball player who proved you don't need meat for muscle and you can be a healthy athlete vegan. You'll hear from a health coach who found out where parasites really live in the body and how to get them out for good. Hint, it's not pretty, but it's shocking and you need to know it. And you'll hear from undercover investigators who endured witnessing horrifying animal cruelty to shed light on the animal abuse in factory farms and change the laws around factory farming. These stories and more next up on this series of Food Heals. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals podcast starts now. First, I'm sharing the story of survivor Rosie, the abuse she endured and how she eventually made the great escape of her life, having only 11 hours to do it with her daughter in tow and was able to go from an abusive prison of a marriage to a total life of freedom. Now she helps other women and children escape from domestic violence as well. So Rosie, can we delve a little bit into your story just because I know um, it's going to help other women that are listening that either have in the past or are experiencing abuse to hear what you dealt with and how you came through it. Can you give us a little background as to how it evolved and, and how you got out? Sure. I'll just step back a little bit. You know, I'm from California and I met my husband-to-be in California. He's, he's a Lebanese. He's a Christian Lebanese. I was already working in Silicon Valley in California. I had a great job. I was going up the, the career path pretty fast. I was in corporate finance. Um, he was somebody I had met in college earlier. We reconnected. I left my family, my friends, and my career to move to the Middle East with him, where I lived for about 25 years. I lived about half the time in Saudi Arabia and about half the time in Beirut, Lebanon, where he was from. From the get-go, it was abusive in the sense that well, first of all, abusers will isolate. And I had like severe isolation because I was just pulled out of the country, right? I was, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a support system whatsoever. 
I bet you didn't even, did you know the language? I, well, they speak English there, but I did learn Arabic and I'm fluent in French, which helped when I was in Lebanon. So I do, I do speak Arabic. And like I said, I speak French. So I was okay with the languages and they speak a lot of, a lot of English in that country. They're quite fluent. So I think, you know, a, a, a challenge for, for women is they, they become isolated. And then for me, you know, even, even on our honeymoon, which we took in Europe on the way to the Middle East, it was like, oh, I don't like your wedding dress. And I really didn't like your hair either. And I didn't like this, you know, and I'm just feeling like crap. But I have to tell you, I was married 18 years before I even knew I was in an abusive relationship. I mean, he would sit me down and scream at me for hours and tell me how horrible I was. But I thought, and he just said, well, you know, if you can just apologize and, and promise to be better, it'll be okay. So what did I do? I, I, I did that wow. because, Hey, you know, I'm a performer, you know, I was, did really well in corporate, you know, I want to, well, of course I can do it, you know, right. It's a challenge. I can do this. Not realizing how manipulative or controlling he was. I just thought I just wasn't good enough. And so I, well, I'm here. I got to make him happy. And I didn't know what it was just because I kept trying to be better. I tried to be better. I tried to be better and it never worked. And I wasn't happy, but I just thought, gosh, you know, I just don't know how to make this man happy. He's always angry at me or it got to the stage where literally, I'm not joking, literally, if I was walking across the living room and I just took a deep sigh or just, you know, breathe heavily or whatever, he would yell at me for the way I breathe. Wow. Oh my gosh. Was he violent towards you? Was it just emotional and verbal? It was It was primarily emotional and verbal. It was also financial. He controlled all the money. He goes, Rosie, you are, you know, you're an American citizen. I'm not an American citizen. You know, he had a green card. He goes, if we put your name on the accounts and we'll be charged all these taxes, so we won't have your name on any of the financials whatsoever. And I did not get any money from that. Now, getting to the physical abuse, um, and our editor says, like, don't discount this, because it's funny how I want to say, oh, he only did it a couple of times. I mean, I shouldn't even say that, right? Because it's it's not, it's never acceptable. It's but, never acceptable. Right? And it's like, it's like, well, I should say, he did it twice. <laughs> and what he did is, like, I remember very clearly where I was. We were in the kitchen. It was in Saudi Arabia. And he squeezed my arm so tightly that there were black and blue marks um, that you could see his fingerprints on my arm from the black and blue that he he did and he says oh rose i just i had to shut you up you know i just had to oh. do that and i'm alone it's not like i could go to some service or something i'm in a different country i'm in an arab country it's not like i can just walk out the door yeah it sounds like you were very trapped yeah i was you know, I was, and, and, you know, he would go out with his friends. And then if I went out with, you know, tried to make friends, he would get, you know, angry with me. You're, you're never home. You're never taking care of me. You're abandoning the family. It's like, oh my God, you know, I don't know anybody here. I'm trying to make friends. I could work for his company, but he never paid me. And then when he decided to pay me, he took the money and I had a house in California and he just said, oh, we'll just use it for that. He decided what to do with my money. So I never saw so lots of financial abuse. And you you didn't know anything at the time about what it was like to be in an emotionally abusive relationship. Like, you know, there's those quizzes, right, where you can find out if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship. And it's like, do they control you through the money? Um, do they isolate you from friends, family, making new friends, uh, things like that? So did you have any idea that you were in an abusive relationship or did you just think, I got to make this work? 
I didn't, you know, again, I'm in a foreign country, so I didn't have access. There was no internet when I was there. Um, there were some in- books in English, but I, I, you know, when you get married, you don't expect the person who's supposed to love you to be abusive to you. You're not looking for it. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't grow up that way. So it, it, I just thought I wasn't good enough. And I, you know, he just said, he, as long as I apologized and said I would do better, then he quieted it down. But before then, it was like a huge storm that was just constantly hitting me. So no, I didn't know until one visit to the United States when I must have been in the bookstore by myself. You know, thank God for bookstores. I mean, I'm as guilty as the last person to buy my books online, but going, being able to physically go to a bookstore and just walk along and see the titles saved my life. You know, I got a book. The first book I got was actually called Walking on Eggshells. That turned out to be a book about borderline personality disorder, which he doesn't have. And it had a bibliography. And from the bibliography, I discovered the book called The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans. And She's now a very dear friend of mine. And I have to say between, you know, her and her, her group, her forum and my brother, I was able to, to get out. But that was when I first learned what it was. I remember I hid the book in like five layers of opaque plastic bags and, you know, and hid it. And I would take it out of the closet and I would go into the extra the guest bedroom bathroom lock the door, sit on the toilet seat and open it up and read the book and think, oh my God, this is my friggin' life. It was like, she was describing, you know, how they are just like what you were saying. Is he doing this? Is he doing that? And I thought, oh my God, this is it. And I, and I didn't want to accept. It's like, no, we got to make this marriage work. We have to make the marriage work. And it was so painful when I realized it wasn't going to work. But my daughter in the Middle East Custody automatically goes to the father, you know, after the age of seven. So, yes. So there's no custody battle there, you know, it's done. And when the child is young, they could be with the mother. But after that, you know, until they turn major, they're with their father. So I didn't want to leave without my daughter. I would have never done that. Well, there's that movie, that Sally Fields movie that was a book first called Not Without Without My Daughter. And it was, took place in Iran. But same kind of story. She married an Iranian in Michigan. He was a doctor. He wanted to, they, he, he tricked her. He wanted to go home and introduce their daughter because they were living in Michigan. He was totally Americanized. They wanted to live, uh, or he wanted to introduce his daughter and his wife to his family in Iran. And this was back when, um, this is in the eighties, early eighties. Um, you know, travel restrictions are different there. And once they got there, he took her passport and women couldn't travel without permission of their their either their husband or their father or their brother. That's right. And so she was trapped there. That's so right. Literally, just the words you just said. She she couldn't leave. Same thing. She didn't want to leave without her daughter. Yeah, and it's funny because when I used to say that, people say, "Oh, you should hear about this movie and this story." Because I didn't know anything because I've been out of the states for twenty five years, so I didn't know. But I eventually heard of her story, and it's true. You know, so you you know, I was not going to leave. So I had to wait till my daughter turned major, and then she started the university. And she came to me one day and said, mom, you've got to get me away from my abusive father because he was treating her the same way. He was, you know, insulting her, belittling her, putting her down, stalking her. She would try to, you know, she's a kid at the university. She's on Facebook, you know, and he would call her up at one o'clock in the morning and scream at her. What are you doing on the phone at this hour? You should be studying. Well, of course, now she's so upset she couldn't study. 
So it was just one thing after the other. So you asked me, did I know? So the answer was not for the first 18 years of my marriage until I got that book. And then I started to read as much as I could. When my daughter came to me that day, it was in April of 2009. Then I said, okay. And then in four months, I planned the escape of our lives. I mean, this must have taken so much courage. You know, it's funny, you know, people tell me that. And when you're in the middle of it, you, you don't even think about it. I, I, I guess I must have garnered the courage because I would tell myself every day, a hundred times a day that my daughter and I deserve a happy and joyful life. I don't have to be a martyr. I said that mantra, not even knowing about mantras. I didn't know about any of this stuff. I didn't know about mantras. I didn't know about limiting beliefs. I didn't know anything. I just created it myself because I felt guilt-ridden in a way. You know, here I am hiding things. I mean, planning the whole escape is tension, you know, like on a scale of zero to 10, like on, you know, stress level, mine was probably like 110. But, you know, knowing that I didn't have to, this is my life. Your life is precious. Your time here on earth is precious. It's like, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to live this way. So and you shouldn't have to. No. And, you know, that's, you know, the mission, you know, that we have, my daughter and I have is to help these other women. But I just wanted to get out and create a new life because I felt that we were not going to live. There was just no doubt. My, my daughter and I were just both suicidal. And I mean, it was just like, if we stayed, I don't think I'd be live today. Wow. And what did the, uh, what did the great escape look like? I outsmarted him. Simple. <laughs> There's a lot of details to the escape which you know, be in the book. But briefly, I had four months because every, every summer, as a family, the three of us, we would travel to the United States so I can visit my family and friends. And, and I met him in California, so he had friends here too. And like uh, Susie was saying, you know, I couldn't really travel by myself. And Lebanon is a very tiny country. So some people said, well, why couldn't you just you know, get a ticket and fly? Well, where could I get a ticket, you know, an airplane ticket? You know, they probably would know who he was, you know, and word spread. So I couldn't take a chance on anything. This is literally a movie. They should make a movie out of your life. I'm like riveted. I'm like, what is she going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about that stuff. So you know, people in the Hollywood, you know, like Reese Witherspoon or, or you know, Greta Gerwig, you know, we're all, we're all over that. She does have her own production company and she is a feminist. So there might be some synergy there. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's why we, we love what she's doing. And so anyway, so over a month, over a course of four months, I started to pack things and I would back in my little trusty bathroom there, I'd go in boxes that I had taken from the grocery stores and I would pack stuff. And I only packed like the first things I took were the photo albums and then, you know, some clothes and then some books. I mean, really not much, you know, you really come down to like, what's important. Yeah, I really would have wanted the China, but then when I got here, it's like, I don't really want that. And you really understand that things aren't important, right? My freedom and my daughter's freedom was the most important thing. So slowly I, I did that. I packed things up. And mind you, this is another thing that women who are in this situation, uh, the problem they have, in those 18 years of marriage, no one, I mean, nobody knew of my plight. So after I read the book, I told my brother and my two best friends in the United States. So in 18 years, only three people knew. 
And I then have to interject, was he like nice to you in front of other people? Oh yeah. He was very nice. He was, you know, the typical charmer. He was, you know, everybody would say, you guys are the perfect couple. You you travel, you do all these things, you, you know, he's so, he's so much fun. We would entertain a lot. Uh, so on the outside, right, typical, great persona. I used to say I lived under political terrorism because I lived in the Middle East. So I know political terrorism. I've been through it and I've probably seen more bombs and bullets than the average soldier in the United States. And I'm sure of that because I've looked at the stats and I lived in my own personalized terrorist camp because I don't even want to call this abuse or domestic violence. This is terror. We're living in terror every single day, right? Yeah. And it's just so interesting because people who often, often, not always, people who are abusers and people who turn out to be murderers later in life, I'm not saying, you know, your ex-husband was a murderer by any means. I'm just saying they often possess common traits of being sociopaths and sociopaths are extreme charmers. They can charm someone into loving them. They can charm people into giving them raises and making their way up in the business world and the social world and all these kinds of things. And then secretly there are they are terrorists, whether they are abusers or hurting people in different types of ways, hurting animals, you know, they have this secret and then that secret becomes your secret. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly true. I mean, he was, or is, I should say, um, you know, narcissist, a sociopath. And one thing is like, you can't love them into being good. Right. They're never going to change. They're never going to change. And it's hard for women to accept that it it took me a while to to understand it and accept it as well. We want to change everyone. We want to fix them. We want to make them better. It's a part of our nature as women, I feel. I don't know any women who aren't trying to change or fix someone until, you know, unless you go real deep and you self-reflect and realize that's not really possible. But I feel like that's one of the biggest lessons of my life as well is that you cannot change someone. You can lead by example and hope that they follow. But in the case of abusers and things that are this extreme, they are never going to change. And so you have to change and get out and do the great escape like you did. Yeah. So continuing on in the story a little bit uh, to not leave it too much. So anyway, we left as a family. Okay. We left as a family going to the United States. In that time, I had already talked to attorneys, both in Lebanon and the United States, in California. I was ready to talk to them. I had made lists and lists of things I had to do. I'd copied critical documents. I mean, I had my act together. My brother was my sounding board because I couldn't think really well throughout the whole episode because your, your brain literally gets rewired by the abuse. So it makes it really hard for you to think, uh, you know, all the neurochemicals and, you know, you probably know that better than I do, but there's a lot of impact that happens to a human being when they're being abused. So we, we go through Paris because there are no direct flights to the United States from Lebanon anyway. So we go Beirut, Paris, and then Paris, San Francisco. Our book is called 11 Hours to Freedom and the 11 Hours because it was 11 hour flight from Paris to San Francisco. We arrive on San Francisco International Airport. Now, because I guess we, you know, we lived in the Middle East, we got chosen to go through customs. And this is the first time in all the years I traveled that I had two full suitcases packed with all my stuff. And he even kind of commented, gee, you're taking a lot of stuff this time. And I go, oh, it's just lots of gifts for everybody. So when we got chosen, I was just selected. I don't want to say chosen. That makes it sound like it's good. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right so when we got selected to you know like oh for a custom inspection like oh my god you know i'm just i'm sweating i'm not thinking like well so what if he finds out you know i'm leaving i'm just gonna say you're already now you're in your country right but see i'm not thinking that way because you're I'm, i have to finish the whole thing i you don't feel safe i don't feel safe because he's still with me I was scared to death by the time we were ready to leave. I, I didn't know what he was going to do. So, you know, the customs agent is opening up our bags and he's going through and I'm, you know, I go, oh my God, he's just going to see, he's going to see our stuff, you know, and then he's going to start asking questions, but he didn't notice anything. A big sigh of relief. So then we go through the doors, you know, the, the doors open automatically and I knew exactly where my brother would be. We had arranged for him to pick us up at the airport, which was not common for my brother to meet us at the airport. But in Lebanon, it's really common for your family to meet you and greet you, even if you've been gone a week. So he wasn't suspicious the moment he saw my brother. Then my daughter and I, we rolled our luggage carts behind my brother. I told my brother to go over to my husband and tell him, you know, Rosie's been upset. She needs some time away. I was so afraid. I couldn't even have my brother tell him that she's leaving you forever. I couldn't get the words out. I had to be work with a, with a psychologist for a while before I could voice myself. That's, that's what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine the fear of what, what his reaction would be. And so then we turned around and walked away and left him standing in the airport. Wow. This is such a movie. And there's a lot more to the story, uh, obviously, but... That's pretty much the escape, girls. <laughs> well done. You can call me a great escape artist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do thereafter? And this is a kind of a broad question. So just pick whatever works in terms of response. But what did you do to rebuild yourself after all of that? I mean, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing was for you to take that step and say, no more. I'm taking my daughter and we're going back to my country and he's not going to be a part of my life anymore. That's the biggest, that's the biggest step. But then what did you do to rebuild your confidence, your self-esteem? You mentioned therapy. Did you go to therapy? Absolutely. I went to therapy. We were both diagnosed with um, pretty severe PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, my daughter had, well, I guess we both had depression. I mean, I was on, if I saw a car of one, like he drove, I would just break down for days because the trigger was so bad. But, you know, obviously got an attorney for that, for the divorce and everything else. But, you know, I worked with the, with the therapist and I thought, okay, Rosie, you know, now you're here. Cause I didn't think about the next step. I just like, I'm just getting out. And one thing I do want to share before the, I say the next step, one thing is that never for a split second, did I not think the plan wouldn't work. It was just, it was like, there was not an option that it wouldn't work. You know how you have these limiting beliefs. Oh, I don't know if I can do it. There was no option. There was no plan B. I only had plan A and I knew 100% it was going to work, but I didn't know how. I just knew it would. So that's how I got here. <laughs> so to rebuild myself, so I started, well, I had been out of the country for 25 years. You know, I knew I couldn't go back into high tech. I was, I was in my late fifties. So I wasn't a young, young chick here. You know, competing against, you know, somebody in their 30s and stuff. So I started to go to workshops, learn what my skills were. Um, I took lots of free classes, just tons of free classes. And, you know, tried to write my resume. And people would say, God, Rosie, you have such great skills. You know, you can get a job anywhere. Well, I arrived in the summer of 2009. 
that's the great recession we had. So I'm facing, I've been out of the country, I'm old compared to everybody else, and we're in the middle of the recession. And I thought, how am I going to write my resume? So I thought, I guess it's too hard to write a resume, so I think I'll just become an entrepreneur. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's why we're friends. <laughs> so, and I swear, that's the truth. It's like, I don't know how to write a resume. You know, I mean, they would tell me to do it. It was like, I don't know. It doesn't even, how can I put into words everything that I knew? So that was my alternative. Okay, I'll become an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I started to, re, you know, learn about business and I started to learn about PowerPoints. I mean, I knew zero, like zero. Uh, I built my first website. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> what platform do you, did you build it on? Just curious. WordPress. Wow. WordPress is tough to teach yourself. It is. I speak from experience. I walked away from that. I have WordPress and I still have to call my web girl and go, how do I do this? How do I do that? Well, I'll teach a girl. (laughs) And then I started to, you know, network and then, you know, meet people, got into other formal networking organizations. I became a speaker. I became an author. You know, I've I've written, I've co-written a number of books. I've written a number of eBooks. I got four years after I was in business, an international business award from eWomen Network. And I guess the rest is history. You know, I'm a very forward looking person. (laughs) I mean, you have to be. Congratulations. You're like a badass babe. And I'm so impressed by everything that you have overcome and accomplished because how many people would spiral into a deep depression? Even if you get out, then you have to start over. Like you said, during a depression, it just sounds overwhelmingly hard. So I just want to give you <laughs> mad props for yeah, turning this on. Thank you. Around. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, there were lots and lots of challenges and I had to deal with my daughter who was going through, you know, major depression and the triggers. And then she go into disassociated states. And I remember the first time that happened, it's like you're passed out, but you're not. Uh, so it's like all these, all these things. And I'm kind of impatient. like, well, Let's get going. I want to, you know, get the business going. But you just have to take things in stride. And how is she doing in this day and age? She's doing much better. Uh, doing much better, but she still has a little ways to go. I would say a little ways to go. I mean, super powerful. When you know you get her on this topic, man, she can own the stage. She can really own the stage. It takes a long time. And then even then, like I've had PTSD, but more from more, I was mugged twice in my life. That was much more concentrated, very fast, very short from strangers, but still, it still falls in the same category. And with things like that, I, I think you have to almost like for a long time, I try to forget it, repress it, pretend it didn't happen. And I don't think that like that works sometimes as a tool if you want to just kind of numb out. But after a while, I realized that like that's certain things like that are sacred wounds that if you honor, like you accept and honor and completely just be like, this is a part of my story. This happened. Um, this is, had, has now made me who I am today, which is hopefully stronger, you know? Um, and I'm sure she'll get to that point as well. And grieve and grieve the situation. Yeah. You know, part of the problem, you know, and I, I lived with this, you know, is that women live in, they became their own prisoners because they live in shame so much. I mean, I was so ashamed of the situation I sort of got myself into. I didn't want to tell anybody. And that was such a mistake. I mean, this is sort of my mission too, is to create a safe community for these women to realize that you are not alone. And if anybody, you know, your listeners who are listening is like, if any of this rings true is to reach out to somebody. I mean, whether it's me or 
your Susie or you know Allison or somebody that's close to you, because the worst thing is to be alone in all of this. Cause you feel like you're the only one you don't, and you, you make up stories that you think you can't get out. You think there is absolutely no way, you know, if I think of myself 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I was still back there, you know, and to look at my life now, I could have never in a million years have imagined then where, where I am now. Never. What are the exact things that we have to look for? And if you have these things, you have to examine yourself and your relationship right now. What are some of like the undeniable warning signs? Is he always blaming you for everything? Okay. You know, it's like, no matter what you do, you're being blamed for it. Is he controlling the money in any shape or form? Like mine was, you know, oh, you can have as, well, you know, it wasn't, you could have as much as you wanted, but you know, he gave me money to spend. I couldn't spend on myself, but for the family. So is there any kind of control of the money? Is he making excuses for you not to go see your friends or your family? Is he insulting them? Is he insulting your family and friends? I have that a lot. Is he doing things that, you know, he can do them, but then when you want to do them, he makes excuses for you not to do them. Is he making it difficult for you to get out of the house, like to do anything? My, you know, I got my pleasure from grocery shopping. That was where I had my peace is just being able to go grocery shopping. So these are some of the bigger signs, obviously any kind of a physical abuse, which is a little bit more obvious to to the person. See, mine, was, it was so insidious. It's like burning, you're, you're boiling to death and you don't even realize it. Because it's like, I feel like there is a fine line but before it hits physical abuse, if it's going to go that route, between we are not getting along, but we may be able to fix it because blame is one that could happen in an abusive relationship or a non-abusive relationship when two people are blaming each other because they have unresolved issues with within themselves. So I guess my question is, is like, when is there still hope and when is there not? Obviously, if it's physical, goodbye. Right. Obviously, if they're isolating you from friends and family, goodbye. Like some of them are absolutes and then some of them are still, well, they're in a gray area. So I, I just want I, I just want everyone listening to be able to kind of think for themselves, am I on a scale of one to 10? Am I in a 10 abusive or am I in a one? This is still fixable. We're just having issues, a relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's hard to answer. I mean, wouldn't you think, I mean, that's very individual because A, we're taught that once you're married, or at least I was, I, I realized this for myself, once you're married, things are going to be beautiful and perfect and you'll be happy forever. Disney, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, we're well, and that's all you have to do is you have to get there. You have to find the right person. And I took my time finding the right person. And that's not true. It's work. All relationships are work. And then on top of that, uh, I think at least women have this big expectation that, being married, that one relationship is going to fulfill you completely. And that's the whole Jerry Maguire thing. It's like, you complete me, right? That's a bloat of bullshit. So <laughs> like, then if you get into beyond that, like everybody, everybody's raised differently. Everybody had different parents um, with their own issues. And, and, and I've done enough therapy on my own. And I was a psych major that, that people learn their par parenting or they learn how to love from watching their parents and they either do similar things or they do the exact opposite. If it was really toxic, really abusive. If they were able to recognize that some people repeat that. So that's a hard question to answer, but I would, I would say, I would say if there's still respect and tenderness, maybe it can be repaired and a desire to, to hear your partner. And it can go both ways. I wanted to say this too, because we, we get some comments sometimes where we don't address the men. I know of some men 
um, I've seen in my life where I feel like they are emotionally abused by their wives. Oh, yeah. They're the ones, not physically. I've never heard of any man being abused physically. I'm sure it exists, but it can go both ways. And I've definitely seen that in my experience where the wife is the one that's, I don't know what goes on beyond beyond closed doors, but I've seen it both ways. So um, I, I think if there's still respect and tenderness and ability to listen and willingness to hear your partner, then maybe it can be fixed. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah, you bring up really good good points here. And yes, and yes, I know men have have also been in abusive situations. I've talked to quite a number of them. So the key thing I want to express here um, are two things. One, it's the pattern you have to look for. Obviously, in any relationship, there's going to be a disagreement. You know, you know, out of whatever anger, you're going to just blame somebody. But look at the pattern. Is there a pattern that that person is consistently blaming you? And especially blaming you when you know you didn't do anything wrong. Is the person, you know, when you try to explain what happens is totally unwilling to listen to your side. So the the key to any kind of healthy relationship is to be able to resolve conflicts in a mature way, which means you don't name call, you don't insult, you deal with the present issue presently you don't bring back you don't bring the past into the future and on everyone's past transgressions and then you then you're, you're blaming them now and you have a talk about it so if the person and if the person can apologize sincerely and you see a change in behavior remember people who are narcissists and sociopaths are very good in the moment or moments to show really kindness and love and everything else. But then, then the pattern hits that bam, you're slammed down. So you can't tell from a single moment, but you can tell from many moments. And if they're blaming you, putting you down, insulting you, it's like, really, why do you need to do that? And even if people grew up that way, I just have to say, that's not a healthy way. It's not a way to behave. We have to treat each other kindly. We can be angry. Remember what I was talking about before? Of course we can be angry, but you can be angry and saying, this is what upsets me. Or you can be angry and start lashing insults, throwing things across the room. Which one's going to be more effective? You were in such dire circumstances, so alone, so detached from the world, so isolated, and you did it. And I just appreciate you as a testament to the fact that we can all do this if we need to. And most people's circumstances, I mean, I'm sure some, but the people who who, who have worse circumstances than you did probably don't have access to listen to this podcast. So anyone listening, you can get out. Rosie can help you. Her book can help you. There are so many resources. And Rosie, please leave us with all of your resources, your website, how to get in touch with you, your Instagram, all that good stuff. We have the Love is Kind movement. It's on Facebook group called the Love the Love is Kind movement. And we would just be so honored if you and Susie and your listeners joined us. It's our movement. Our mission is to save a million and more women and their children from this insidious abuse and to get the word out, to start the dialogue that love is kind and not terrorizing. We're here to make this a kinder world. Absolutely. Well, just keep continuing on that mission. We're so grateful to have you. Oh, thank you. You guys are super califragilisty, expedalado, which is amazing. To hear the full episode with Rosie, go back to episode 194 of Food Heals. 
Food Heals Nation, what do you do when you don't get enough sleep? I know for me, I become a zombie who needs a nap, who then gets into anxiety because she can't sleep because she has things to do, right? It's like this vicious cycle. And then we also know that not only is not getting one good night's sleep, bad enough for our day, but studies have shown that over time, chronic sleep deprivation leads to a whole host of negative side effects, gaining weight, all the way to heart disease. All these issues are associated with sleep. We have to get our good sleep. But I have good news for you. I am in love with these little capsules made from CBN by my friends over at Cured Nutrition. This is the CBN Night capsules. So what is CBN? It's a natural compound that helps you relax and fall asleep more easily. So (laughs) I gave it to my friend and you know what she said? She goes, oh, it's like a lullaby in a bottle. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like that. I don't know where she came up with that. But um, she said it helped her fall asleep, and it's been helping me fall asleep too. Um, so if you're having sleep issues, or even if you have inflammation or pain, CBN can help you wake up feeling more refreshed, more rejuvenated, and in less pain. So I'm very excited about the future of CBD, CBN, and Cured Nutrition. So what do you do? You're just going to take one to two capsules, about an hour, hour and a half before bedtime, and that for me is when you're good to go. But of course, while you're taking the capsules, also be paying attention to your nightly routine. Like what are some relaxing activities you can do? I like writing, reading, doing my guided meditations with my girl Katie Kermitzos. Sometimes I do a hot bath, um, turning off like distractions and turn off notifications on your phone, put that phone in, do not disturb, or put it in airplane mode, whatever you need to do to not be distracted. So you can fully focus, help your body get ready for the best night's sleep of your life. So Cured Nutrition's products will help you with your entire sleep routine. I love that they're packed with the full spectrum cannabinoids, functional mushrooms, and adaptogens to help you get calm, right? To help you start to feel relaxed after a long day. And you know what to do. You're going to go to curednutrition.com and you're going to use the coupon code FOODHEALS and you're going to save 20% off. So if you want to get a good night's sleep, I definitely recommend the CBN Night Capsules. They've also got their Serenity Gummies. They also have a whole host of other amazing products that can help you throughout your day using the power of these cannabinoids, right? Using the power of these functional mushrooms, using the power of your own body to heal itself by giving it the tools it needs to do so. So again, it's all over at curednutrition.com. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS at checkout. You'll get 20% off your order. So go get your good night's sleep on. Trust me, Food Heals Nation, your mind and body will thank you. Food Heals Nation, who else wants free vitamin D for a year from our friends at Athletic Greens? That is my favorite pineapple powder. So say goodbye to piles of pills and countless powders because one daily serving of AG1 delivers a potent blend of nine health products, multivitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and so much more. I consider it my personal fountain of youth. And if you use my link, athleticgreens.com slash foodheals and use the discount code foodheals, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 because they work synergistically together, plus 
five free travel packs of AG1. There are so many benefits to taking this. As you know, I am a superfood junkie. I am a greens junkie. I am a nutritional junkie. So anything that can boost my energy, help my recovery, support my immunity, promote my gut health, that's a no-brainer for me. You can do a single subscription if you're a one-person household or a double subscription if there's more of you in the household, and that makes it only $2.63 per serving if you do a single and $2.48 per serving if you do the double subscription. That's an amazing deal to me. I don't know about you. Plus, they've got a 90-day money-back guarantee if you don't like it. But Allie's going to guarantee that you will. I haven't met anyone yet who hasn't liked it. And you know that when people come over or when I travel with my travel packs, I make people taste things. And everyone loves the pineapple-flavored AG1. So again, just go to athleticgreens.com slash foodheals. Use the coupon code foodheals to get your free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 plus five free travel packs when you add AG1 to your shopping cart. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Next up, we're talking to another survivor. Two near-death experiences nearly killed her, but Mora came back to heal herself and the planet. Roll it, Roxy. Insult to injury is based on your own life and your near-death experiences. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. And and I've turned it into a comedy as one does. Because it wasn't like that when you experienced it? <sighs> right. No. Like there was no uh, applause track? When there you- was no <laughs> applause track. It was, it was not funny. But uh, so so actually it's it's come full circle. The um, insult to injury is my creative endeavor. And I've turned it into a musical comedy, but it's something that really did happen to me, which is also why I was so passionate about creating Mac and Moe's for my dad, Mac. In the web series, Insult to Injury, just to confuse everyone, I play Mac. <laughs> okay. And my dad's name in the series is Mo. Um, I, I reversed okay, it okay. just because as I was writing it, it was so close to home that I thought I had to distance myself somehow. <laughs> but because Mac and Mo's was going to be in the series later, yeah. I'm like, I have to still keep Mac and Mo's. Um, so yeah, so right out of college, I went in for a very simple surgery. And I was doing my very first professional acting job. I was doing The Wizard of Oz, playing Glinda the Good Witch. Oh, you're totally a Glinda the Good Witch. Totally, yeah. (laughs) Did you have have long hair? I'm trying to envision a wig. I was in a gorgeous wig, an amazing dress that they built for me. I mean, it was Mm. stunning, just custom everything. And I, I went in for this very simple laparoscopy. And what is a laparoscopy? So, a laparoscopy where they take a little scope, uh, a little teeny scope it's a one in a million risk of anything bad happening and they go through your belly button so it's exploratory and I was told I had a lot of stomach issues my whole life and they were going in to explore to to just to figure out around yeah to figure out what was going on Mm -hmm. and I was told that I would be able to perform the next night it was just a simple in and out maybe 20 minute procedure my mother had you know, decided to come down. I was three and a half hours away from home because I was out of college. I was doing theater, paid gig. 
And I had had an argument with her the night before. And I said, you don't need to come. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm a college graduate. I backpack through Europe all by myself. You don't have to come. It's 20 minutes. I don't need you, mom. And she showed up at my door that morning. she's a good mom. And she said, you are going under the knife. And I am going to be there. Aww. I'm your mother. Get in the car. So. <laughs> I love her already. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, my God. It was, you know. So long story short, I was. I flatlined. I, it was really bad. They, I lost seventy percent, over seventy. So you're one in a million. I was the one in a million. Well, you lost what? Over seventy percent of my blood. In this procedure? Yeah, they cut my main artery, the common <gasps> iliac. Artery. Oh my god. Yeah, and uh, it was awful. Um, I did end up waking up mm. on the table. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <gasps> um, I don't. I didn't. I didn't feel pain, but I felt them. Poking around. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I saw red everywhere. Oh, which God. Was blood. But my mom said I just kept repeating that over and over and over again to her. Um, they, I had my last rites given to me twice. They did not think I was going to make it. Oh what God. does that look like? What are the last rites given to you? When a priest, I, I was raised very Catholic. Irish Catholic. Yeah. I kind of got that from yeah. the trailer. I was like, yeah. She's a Catholic girl. Catholic girl. I'm Catholic. a Catholic girl too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah so last sure. rites, yeah. a priest, when a priest comes and is like, okay, you're going to meet your, meet your maker. Here we mm-hmm. go. Like at the hospital. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're, if you're done, it's like, um, you're poor in Catholicism. Yeah. You have, you're, you're baptized. You go through confirmation. It's a sacrament, I mean, right? It's, it's a sacrament. part of this. Mm-hmm. So it's like marriage, confirmation, baptism. It's one of, it's one of the steps that we do. As Catholics, we're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're gonna if we if we're gonna cross over, we need a priest, right, to right. let us to let us go, right. Do you do you have a memory of this happening? Oh yeah, oh my oh, god, yeah, I remember twice. everything. It twice, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh, god. And it was, uh, yeah. So it was just you know. So that stuff is icky. The second time, this is the was, most intense interview. This is we've pretty had. intense. Okay, go on, go oh, on. God, okay. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, okay, it's good. 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 Um, it's theatrical. The, no. Well, the second time was a little funny because my sister, I've always had, you can't see them, but I've always had very old lady hands. It's been a, my my they're, boyfriend now, he told me it was an affliction on our first date. He's like, I'm sorry for your affliction. I'm like, they're not an affliction. You have, an, you have piano fingers. You have long fingers. They're long and they're, they're wrinkly. They're very, but they've been that way my whole life. I mean, in kindergarten, kids tease me. So you're an old soul. I'm I was about to soul. say that, Susie. Very. You didn't. I, I was beat you to it. To. So, so I got, I got the credit. She's an old soul. I got the credit. <laughs> Me. <laughs> oh, girls, girls, you're both pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in kindergarten, nobody knows what an old soul is. No. Nobody cares. No. So I made it this story. I don't know where I got it, but I was in school with my cousin. And I was so sick of being teased that one day I finally said, I work with horses. My cousin looked at me. That's a good one. I mean, I would. I would <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean, nobody could, knew what to say. If you could pick one, be like, I can shoot lightning out of my fingers. Back off. Right. But <laughs> work with yeah, horses. Well, I should have thought of that. But no, I, yeah. you're a kid. Yeah, I you're know. Five. I was five. Yeah, I, you know, whatever. So, so then, so the second time I got my last rites given to me, my sister, the the priest was anointing me with, with the holy oil, and my sister, as soon as he left, she took the oil off because they do the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and she took the oil from my forehead and she started rubbing it into my hands. And through her tears, she said, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's confused. He, 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 you need oil for your old lady hands. You just need moisturizer. <laughs> my family was like, you're not going anywhere. Aww. You're fighting. You know? I love that. Yeah. So that's, it still makes me tear up, but it makes me laugh because I'm like, you know, there was still humor and she was scared. But Wait, she's I, like, have a que- I have a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to raise my hand. 
yes. Yeah. Do you remember anything? Okay, let's get into that. Oh, like okay. the crossover, any crossover, any light? Was there a tunnel? Light, what? yes. Tell us light. about that. Well, I mean, there. you'll have to see my series. Okay, well, can you <laughs> tell I mean, us a little bit about it? Well, the, the reality... Before we see your series. So he, he, a teaser, a trailer? Yeah, so I mean... I saw a lot of light. I mean, there was a, a white gauzy light. I did not cross over. I did not, I didn't go through a tunnel. I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't remember any of that. All I remember is seeing a figure and a lot of white gauze, you know, in my mind. It was mm-hmm. just a lot of white, like mm-hmm. a white gauzy and a shadow, like a figure. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, a, a lot of people, my grandmother, before she died, she had had a, an experience. And for her, it was a mother figure. Mm. This was definitely a male figure. Mm. Um, and I just knew at the time, like I remember very consciously thinking, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Please, I'm not ready. I don't want to go yet. I, you know, wow. I, there's still so much I wanted to do. Ugh. But I, remember I have thinking, roles to perform. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and literally, like, there were things that I that were going through my mind. Like, there's so much of the world I want to see. And, but I remember thinking I hadn't, I didn't have regrets. I remember vividly thinking that. And I was only 22. You're so young. So, so then, you know, and it was a very, very long, horrible, horrible experience. And everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. My cases in medical journals, not my name. But really, I survived, yeah, my I survived everything. I mean, they they had to. I don't know how graphic, but I mean, they had to. No, we want to know. Get into okay. it, girl. So they they had to. Uh, I developed a staph infection while I was in there, so they had to cut me back open, oh wide awake, and my pulse was so faint, and I was so so sick they couldn't put me under again. So they literally had me grab onto the guardrails of my bed. Oh my god! While they cut me up again this is so traumatic it was pretty intense it, I mean it was very intense not pretty um and then uh then I developed pancreatitis while mm. I was in there oh. and no one knew what was going on but they kept accusing me well not they the doctor uh he kept accusing me of being anorexic mm. and my mother said That's no, helpful. She's, she's been thin her right. whole life she's not you know and he said, well, she's she's not holding her food down and she just keeps throwing up and, you know, insurance is on my back and we've got to, you know, get her out of here. Oh, and my, my mother, God. She said, you know, do you think that maybe everything that's happened to her? I mean, they literally had to. It's because of what you did? Yeah. And it was all in your abdomen. It was all. They literally. So, hello. They, like... they took, when I woke up on the table and I felt everything, they literally took everything out. Yeah. And had to find where the tear was oh my and then the what I forgot to tell you was the vascular surgeon who saved my life he's amazing he was operating on a man next door mm-hmm. I was I was you know supposed to be under for 20 minutes max mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the anesthesiologist is the one who discovered I was starting to go and because they were doing everything you know with the video screen and mm-hmm. the scope and they called in. What the were vas- they going in for to begin with? Exploratory. They thought they thought I had endometriosis. I was misdiagnosed for years. In the end, I mean now. Oi. I yeah. And I'm long- saying that as a Catholic girl. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, you- Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the they had to call in a vascular. He happened to be next door operating on a man. 
happened at a, the exact moment, I kid you not, he could leave the man on the table. He had less than five minutes mm. where he could leave the man open. Oh, my God. Rush into my operating room. He cut me up, mm. you know. I have a scar from here to here, here mm-hmm. to here. Um, and so cut a me cross up. across your stomach? Yeah, like an upside-down cross. Okay. And clamped my aorta and started, you know, recycling my blood and um, transfusing me. And then he started, he found where the, the cut was the common iliac artery, the right side. So he started repairing my artery. Had they cut you in surgery? There it was, was just a... a scope. It was a little scope through my belly button. But that had cut you and that, and then that got infected? When the doctor the, who was doing the original, the original laparoscopy, it just, it poked oh, my, po- yeah, my common iliac. Mm. So it, it, there was never supposed to be cutting. Mm-hmm. It was just like a little, people do this all the time. Yeah. And they're at work the and next day. Yeah. Um, so this vascular surgeon saved my life. He literally, he, and he saved my life, and he said to my mother, he said, and he, This you is know, like a Grey's Anatomy he, story. He was, <laughs> not, he was not a religious man. It was not a Catholic hospital, and he said, I can't explain it. He said, by all medical standards, standpoints, your daughter should not be here. Wow. And he said, if I, if it had happened a minute earlier, a minute later, if she, and later on, he would come and visit me, and he said, you're a fighter. You're, you know, you're a winner. Just yes, you keep are. Keep fighting. Yeah. And, you know, throughout the whole, I was there over a month. And um, wow. everybody who would come in, and my dad and my great aunt, they would keep saying, you're Irish, you're Irish. Just keep fighting, keep fighting. <laughs> the fighting yeah. Irish. The fighting Irish. And after, I'm like, I'm, I'm telling them to shut up. <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, it got to the point where, like, I'm doing everything I can. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it shaped who I am. It changed all of our lives. And it also became not a marker for who I am, but in a way, yes, because it, I realized how grateful I was. I mean, the fact they didn't think I'd walk again. And once wow. I finally, you know, I, my sister and my mom would laugh because I, when I finally could start walking, I had these goals where I'd, I'd have to touch something before I felt like, okay, I touched that. Now I, now I can go sit down. So it got to the point where by the end of, I don't know, six nine months I always had to touch this one yellow pole in Sacramento (laughs) near my parents house and my sister would say no you got to get that yellow pole yeah I got it the yellow pole and you know when we finally you know I would make little goals for myself you know it's that kind of stuff but yeah so so then on the positive side when my dad got really sick I knew how much it sucked because when I got out of the hospital I was so skinny I was 20 pounds skinnier than I am now. And, and I, you're very thin. And I'm a thin love, woman. Thin, yeah. Yeah, I'm a thin woman. And I was, you know, I mean, I was, I, they couldn't feed me. So I had to be fed through my neck. I was in, intubated. Yeah, uh, it was a TPN. They called mm-hmm. it total parental mm-hmm. nutrition. And so I just, you know, I withered away. I was getting nutrition, but mm-hmm. nothing from my mouth because I developed pancreatitis. No cake. No cake. <laughs> no nothing. No, not even water. Not even oh, ice. Wow. So um, when they released me, they said, okay, well, she's got to gain 20 pounds, but she can't eat any fat. She'll never be able to drink again. She'll, you know. But at that point, I was so young, I hadn't developed a taste for alcohol. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, 
can I have chocolate? I mean, oh my God, what? <laughs> Everybody know? needs chocolate. <laughs> so blah, blah, blah. So I knew how much it sucked. So my dad got out of his, he had quadruple bypass. He survived. Wow. He begged me to make something. And I knew how much, when you survive something that shitty, uh, can I say that on? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And you survive it. You friggin' deserve something damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so he, we went shopping everywhere, you know, for treats that had no sugar, no salt, gluten-free, and plant-based. And there was nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. So we came home empty-handed. And his eyes, I mean, I just saw. And he said, please, can you make something? And he's and, in recovery at this point. Oh, yeah. He was home at my parents' house after you know, I, he was in the hospital. I'm going to say if it was him after the bypass, probably 10 days, two weeks. And was this shortly after what had happened? No. Okay, this, this was, is way this longer. Like, okay. Yeah, 16 years later. Oh, okay. But I, the look in his eyes, you know, it's my dad begging me, and I had been on his, you know, on a different level. But, yeah. you know, they had put me on such a restricted diet. It sucked. Yeah. And here he is. He's older than me. And, you know, I was like, Oh my God, Dad! I'll try. Okay, you know. And so then I, I had taken a, about, about a five year break from acting to do this with you know Mac and Moe's, and I went to nutrition school because then I was just on a mission. I was on my more salacious mission to save my dad, to save the world, you know, and and just to to educate myself and people and trying to prevent illness and shit from happening yeah. through food and, and fun stuff. And I thought health can be really depressing and sad. And so I made, I wanted to make sure everything that I did and my names were fun mm-hmm. so that it was not this, yeah. oh my God, here comes more with her. <laughs> or, you know, oh my God, this is her life story and it's awful and it's sad. And it, right, right. Because at like, some point people don't want to hear it anymore and you're like, but I want to tell you my story. Right. And it's it's a positive. a positive. Spin. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I wrote Insult to Injury is a funny, is a comedy. And um, can we go back yes. for a second? Mm-hmm. So you, how long did it take you to recover from this, oh. I would say, botched surgery? Mm-hmm. And then how did you integrate back into society? Oh, wow. That, I mean, it took me a long, many, many years. I can um, imagine. It's such I, a trauma. Yeah. I mean, because well, my whole stomach was cut open. And you don't realize how much you use your stomach mm-hmm. until it's your core is everything everything yeah so i had i I did have to relearn to walk um and is that because your abs were cut or yeah my common iliac the right so your aorta is the the main your main vein right right this is your aorta that's the vein that's returning the blood to your heart from your on your right side right yes okay so so that's the the one they nicked it's like the wishbone and did they think that you had nerve damage or why did they think you couldn't walk i from what i was told i Prob- I, no, I probably time. shouldn't have been able to walk. Um, when when your common iliac is cut, that's what I was told. Yeah. Okay. Often. So it could, yeah. Don't. So it could have been from any. I'm just. I'm always trying to. I love I know. biology. She likes to figure it out. I used yeah, to want to be you, a doctor. Until, oh. You know, oh. Yeah. But then love, you probably would know better. I just no, know that I'm no, grateful, no. Like, I could. never. No, I never got even close. But like, I love the science behind it and. Mm-hmm. I like to argue with doctors. I like to understand because I think that in my personal experience, mm-hmm. and I have a sister, a, my, I love my sister-in-law. She's an ER doctor. Um, and, and doctors in general, surgeons in general, they give you prognosis and it's based on statistical evidence that they have right. and what they think, but that, that never means right. that you can't overcome what they're right. telling you. So 
I oh, but I always like to know um, what they told you. So okay. And at that point, there there was so much that they told me, and I just there was so much the pancreatitis even was misdiagnosed, and for weeks they kept trying to force feed me, which was actually poisoning my pancreas. Um, mm. because by all, nothing made sense. And the, 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 finally, when I was diagnosed with it, they said, well, it doesn't make sense. I mean, she's so young and she's pancreatitis is usually in an older, an alcoholic or somebody who's abused drugs or mm-hmm. somebody who's obese. And I was none of those things. You know, what's so interesting too, is that, um, uh, cause I have a background in massage therapy and mm-hmm. energy healing and, uh, uh, just personal interest in nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that sometimes when you need to heal your digestion takes so much energy you get what is it three three units of energy for every two spent so there's so much energy that goes into even just digesting food Mm -hmm. that sometimes when you need to heal you actually need to not fast but they never yeah fast but they never even i've never heard a hospital i don't understand why from their perspective trying to fast someone or limit um general caloric intake caloric intake that they just need you need to eat you need to and yes you usually do need to eat but sometimes your body to repair i mean that's what Mm -hmm. your body's doing Mm -hmm. when it's sleeping well that's what animals do yeah is cellular when they get sick exactly Mm -hmm. um like when dogs eat grass sometimes it's so they can throw up so that they don't have to digest so right but it's just so interesting to me especially when you have this injury to your abdominal area right no well we could go into a whole other yes <laughs> so many tangents so many tangents in that yes there and off the air i'll tell you another very disgusting story about oh fantastic <laughs> so back to more delicious yeah right i know right oh, back to, so so yeah so mac and Mose. i mean i look at this whole path and i'm like wow yeah, it all does make sense why I'm doing everything I'm doing now. And it does all tie together. It's just my passions have completely merged. And my mother, when she watched the trailer, she said, I was laughing, I was crying. And she said, I just am so amazed that you've actually been able, you know, 20 years later to turn this into something. Yeah powerfully fun she's like because there's nothing there was nothing fun about it that moment right? yeah and that's what we do because if we don't that's what turns us into people with depression and cancer mm. and all kinds of things because it's such a toxic way to look at things when you think mm. oh what happened to me is so horrible and i'm the victim and things like that and of course you have to go through that for a minute well, yeah but you got to yeah. pick yourself up and it's the people that don't pick themselves up that find mm. themselves in you know in in the depression and and having you know a lot of disease and so that's my goal in my life is to take all my traumas and turn them into something positive which mm-hmm. is what one of the reasons Susie and I started this podcast you know because that. we want to spread the, the awareness of health so we totally mm-hmm. get where you're coming from um and so I want to I, I just still want to go back for a second mm-hmm. and say how long did it take you to I I, I know healing takes time but how mm-hmm. long did it t- truly take you to heal oh, and you can say you're still healing but I, yeah feel... I think I still I mean and I, I will forever have you know digestion mm-hmm. I have celiac disease so mm-hmm. that was diagnosed officially about two and a half years ago which in my mind I'm like that's probably what it was yeah that's what I was gonna say do you ago. think that it yeah. could just be a, a gluten allergy yeah but but what I don't like to sim- dwell on that what were the symptoms that you were experiencing that led them to do the, the oh gosh I had had so many so many like ovarian cysts and you okay. know a lot of things that happened oh in the lady region okay in the lady region and it, was, guys, it wasn't and, like indigestion oh there was or... stomach stuff too stomach but it was all it was everything was you know 
And in hindsight, it can still, I mean, a lot of people with celiac have all those problems mm-hmm. and they are misdiagnosed with endometriosis mm-hmm. and all these other things. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? And I don't want to dwell on it because it doesn't matter <laughs> what happened, happened. But yes, some days I'm like, oh God, if they'd only know and like to test well, me it's for a for, that. for me, yeah. it's a forever representation of how complicated the human body yes. is. And just because you're experiencing these symptoms does not mean... And you maybe, you know, and I've known so many people actually with a lot of autoimmune friends of mine that have dealt with kind of vague autoimmune issues mm. where they're like, well, you're supposed to have seven out of 12 of these symptoms to be this category, but right. you only have five. So we're going to put you in this box. And it's, it's, it's so complicated. And then you can Google yeah. any symptom or anything you're feeling. <laughs> right. And, and there are 25 is, diseases. It can be as simple as acne all the way to autoimmune, auto way, all the way to cancer. And you're just like, well, I don't know. And right. now I'm scared. And, and Googling is so scary. Yeah, like, exactly. Don't Google, don't Google it. And that's why when we've talked to our functional uh, medicine yes. doctors, it's so interesting, especially in this day and age, because I know that probably did not even exist back when you were dealing with this, where they, they look at all systems together. Yeah from a medical perspective and how they dance and it is it is it is like a dance it is like a show it's yeah. choreography mm-hmm. and it's like the hormones do this and then the bones right. are going to do this yep. and the muscles and the and the nervous system it, it it's fascinating it is i totally agree it's it's completely fascinating and, and you just knock one of those off kilter and oh yeah things can go haywire yeah well th- and this this is i just have to say this because you were doing a little dance Susie. <laughs> um, we're going into production in two weeks and episode two of insult to injury the song because every episode will have an original song that i wrote with my composer scott anthony yes. the second episode our song is called skeleton and closet and we have a skeleton and we're doing a dance and it's all about dancing uh and it's all about all of my casts and crutches and all of the injuries i've had and including an appendix in jar so when you're doing that wait can't wait to see i'm not kidding wait on the show it's you actually have it's a musical it's a musical i was just wondering if you actually have your appendix in a jar god no i don't No, but my this is the true story. That would be so, really interesting. No, the the doctor would. I I'd had my appendix. This should have been our Halloween episode. <laughs> it should have been. We can we can air it next Halloween. Yeah. When a year before I had the lapro the botched laparoscopy, um, I had my appendix had ruptured, and it burst in the doctor's hand. So the doctor actually asked my parents oh my if they wanted to see it my mother said god no you might just should we save it in a jar for more to see <laughs> my mother's like get it out no we don't Wait, want to so see it. i have a funny story oh i insert a funny story uh, yeah uh-huh. my dad had uh, a cyst on his neck actually like a fatty cyst that he uh-huh. went and had removed at uh-huh. the dermatology office and my brother comes home my dad had had some bacon and he had some bacon fat and he wrapped it in some cellophane and put it aside on in the kitchen and my brother comes home and he's like What's that? My dad's a practical joker. And he's like, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's from the doctor's office. That's my sister. Oh, my brother my, nearly, oh my nearly God. threw up. And my dad had a great big laugh. <laughs> anyway, uh, fun with p- potential should surgical should, exploits. Should I don't even know how to in, describe that. put that in skeleton and closet? I think so. <laughs> we, we, we might. I think you need to add that. Okay, we'll have to so At least lyrics. a doctor is saying, would you like the burst of pe- something? I, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I mean, it, wasn't it Carol Burnett who said, come... I could be wrong, but, but I think she said comedy is tragedy over time. Or oh, was it's, it someone else? No, I think it was. Well, Carol Burnett's definitely said stuff like that. Like that. Yeah. Who said and that? 
I think uh, I thought it was Google anyway. it. I just said don't Google, but now I'm saying Google. <laughs> uh, we can it, Google this. It's true. Comedy is tragedy over it, it, time. It is. Oh yeah, and and I mean now, and and yes, I completely agree with it. But laughter is so close. And I'm going to script this whole. But you know the the saying of the la- crying and there's only a, a thin line or whatever the heck it is between laughing and crying. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. basically the same. Emotion. It comes from the same place in yeah. our bodies. Well, it's a release. All right, Food Heals Nation, I'm here hanging out with Tina. We're talking about some ways to boost our immunity today. Tina, a pomegranate extract, it's called Pomenox. It contains an unmatched levels of health-promoting antioxidants, actually three times more than red wine and three times more than green tea. How does this extract help boost our immune system and how can we take it daily? Yeah, well, the key is that this extract actually is producing these, you know, this polyphenol, these polyphenols, is an antioxidant. And, you know, we think of antioxidants as fighting off oxidative stress, and that is what they do. But they also have the ability to recover tissues in order to prevent further damage. So we know when we're having this inflammatory response or an immune response, we are damaging tissues along the way. So the Pominax actually will help recover the tissue. In addition to helping fight off oxidative stress, it's actually also recovering our tissue and helping our tissue repair, which is key. You know, these polyphenols provide lots of antioxidant support, but they also help feed our key bacteria that helps facilitate a very robust immune response. So um, it's, it's really about helping fight off that oxidative stress, um, but also that antioxidant support is actually feeding key bacteria in our gut, which helps feed keystone strains like acromantia, fecalum bacteria, and then postbiotics are actually produced by those keystone strains, strains like butyrate, which um, will also feed um, off of the polyphenols. Wow. Okay. Thank you for breaking that down. And so what product can people take on a regular basis to get their dose of that pomegranate extract? Um, you know, we have a product called Immunity Plus that has been really exciting um, because we see how quick, fast acting it's working. And that has Pominax in it. Um, it also has a really key ingredient called Epicor. It's a yeast extract that is so powerful, really exciting. It makes all kinds of immunogenic compounds and it's supporting our immune cells. So I would definitely recommend the Immunity Plus for that. Um, we've seen incredible results with the product. And, you know, I take it prophylactically. And of course, when I start to see, you know, if I have any kind of like a runny nose or anything like that, I'll start to take, you know, more of the product just to, you know, really give me myself a hefty dose of it. Nice. So the Immunity Plus has that Pominox, it's got Echinacea, it's got a postbiotic, it's got selenium, zinc, all the good things that you need. So Food Heals Nation, head on over to justthrivehealth.com. Use the discount code FOODHEALS15 to save 15 percent off your order. Thanks, Tina. You bet. Let's really delve into Mac and Moe's. And we know you started it in honor of your father. And tell us all about it. So my dad, Mac, his nickname is Mac. Mm-hmm. And my nickname is Mo. So cute. Um, so when he, he survived quadruple bypass surgery. And when he came home, he was on such a restricted diet. Like I said earlier, I had been on such a restricted diet and um he was craving as we all do in my family crave treats big sweets people and most of my family's diabetic so <laughs> you know it's it's a very real thing um so 
my mom and I had literally gone to every natural food market in Sacramento where I grew up, mm-hmm. where my parents and my sister still are, and couldn't find anything that that matched what he was a, allowed to eat. So we came home empty-handed. And I mean, we'd gone to over five stores. So he looked at me, he said, oh God, please, you're the baker, can't, can't you bake something? And I said, dad, I know how to have sugar and I know how to have fat, you know, like I know how to put everything in half, but I, I, I don't know how to bake without salt. I mean, because baking soda has salt, baking powder, I'm like, I don't know how to. Yeah. Can you try? You can try. Oh. And I was like, oh my God. So I said, mom, <laughs> get back in the car. We're going. So I we went back to the same stores and I just kept buying stuff, like reading every in- label. Mm-hmm. And by the fifth store, my mother said, what in God's name are you going to make? And I said, I have no idea, but I have to try. Yeah. Because I just kept buying stuff that had no salt, no sugar, no, you know, no crap. And so... I, my sister was, you know, at my mom and dad's house and we were in the kitchen. So I said, okay, you're going to be the taste tester. I'm just going to keep whipping stuff up. And, you know, the first few batches, she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then once we, you know, we came up with something that we thought was good, you know, we'd let dad try it. And the first few, he's like, mm. and finally I'm like, okay, you know what, dad? <laughs> I've been in here for a few hours. You're going to you're going to like something. Yeah. You're just you know, throw them all off from the train. Like you're going to start liking something or you're going to go to bed. Right. So finally I came up with the chocolate chip more delicious treat mm-hmm. and he loved it. So Ooh. then I I just made a whole batch and my sister and my mom and my dad and I were just like pigging out on the chocolate chip. We hadn't called it I hadn't called it more delicious yet and I hadn't come up with the name Mac and Moe's. But we were like, these are magic. This is heaven. So then my dad's like, make more, make more. So I just kept making them. And finally, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, you got to eat other stuff because Momo's tired. Yeah. So then I, I finally got back to LA because I was up there in Sacramento for quite a while helping out. Mm-hmm. Um, went back to LA and one of my friends tried them. She's like, oh my God, they're so good. Can I share some with my husband? He loved them. He shared them with his friend. She happened to own a little yogurt store in Westwood. And she called me and she said, I want to start selling these. Wow. And I said, well, they're, they're not for sale. <laughs> and she said, well, we, we want to sell them. And I said, well, I, I'm an actor. I'm not a, this is not what I do. I'm not a, you, you weren't know. a chef or a no, baker. I'm, like, I'm not a baker. I'm not, I mean, uh, you know, she said, well, don't you want to sell them? And I said, well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so then I remember vividly, I was pumping gas on the phone, which is a no-no. And my sister said, well, is it? well, according to my mother, it's bad because you can <laughs> explode or something, you know, something horrible. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know. I mean, then I I'll go- Google it. Yeah, Google it because <laughs> I read at one point, it was an old wives tale. Then I read that there were stories where people were on their cell phone and the gas tank some spontaneously combusted mm-hmm. yeah cool okay yeah so i don't advocate doing it just because you know <laughs> if something happened i'd feel really guilty um and then my mother would say i told you but um my sister had said to me on the phone she's like okay here's a deal if somebody else does this and they're really successful are you going to be pissed and i said well yeah litmus <laughs> test okay yeah and she said well then i think you need to go for it yeah but in hindsight, had I known how challenging and how difficult it was, there's a reason no one had what I created mm-hmm. on the market. 
because what I have created, it's still not on the market. I am the only product out there that has, that's perishable, no preservatives, no soy, gluten-free, no sweetener. Uh, There's one gram of sugar and the sugar in the chocolate chip is from the dark chocolate. Um, And the pumpkin cranberry, it's from the uh, fruit juice, Mm -hmm. sweetened cranberry. But Mm -hmm. that's the one gram of sugar. There's no sweetener in the bait. There's nothing. And it's fruit sugar. Because sugar will preserve... Well, sugar right. and salt are mm-hmm. preservatives. Mm-hmm. So there's no salt. There's no, And I said, oh my gosh, this is why these don't exist. This is why people like my dad don't have alternatives. But I am committed. And I said, I don't want to be in the cookie business. There's, I mean, you've got a, oodles and oodles and oodles through the center aisles of the grocery stores of cookies. Mm-hmm. Even gluten-free, even vegan cookies, they're still full of crap. They're just... They have the health halo because they're, oh, they're gluten-free or they're vegan. Mm-hmm. Mine really are like the hardcore, <laughs> pure, like I call myself the Laura Ingalls. They're not the Nellie Olsons. <laughs> they're the Laura Ingalls. <laughs> so, you know, I'm this pioneer who's trailblazing and I'm still waiting, you know. But pretty soon I got, I'm in about over 30 natural food markets. That's awesome. That's so amazing. So it's pretty yeah. cool, but it's it's a lot of work. And it, yeah. Susie, it's almost harder than acting and it's which is crazy is it harder to sell your cookies morsels your morsels morsels. i'm sorry they're not they're not they're not cookies (laughs) it's harder to sell your morsels as opposed to selling yourself as an actor because because uh it took me a long time but Mm -hmm. acting as a profession is sales you Mm -hmm. are your own product so what's harder they're both hard and what's harder in terms of sales uh, it's equal and my mother every day says, you picked the two hardest paths. And I really have. But I think that that's also part of my personality. I'm not looking for, I mean, I, yeah, I, of course I'm looking for, I would love some financial success. <laughs> Let's be honest. But but I. That's not why you went into challenge. It. Yeah. And I wanted to help my dad and people like him. Yeah. And now I'm committed to that. Mm-hmm. And even with this web series, people are like, what is that the musical comedy? But you know, you're suing your guardian angel, you know. And I said, they said, well, that I don't understand where to put that. And I said, that's okay. It's one day people will get me or not. Well, and some people <laughs> get it right away, and some people it may yeah. take time, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah, and exactly, and but it's what makes me tick. I yeah. mean, that's what I was saying to my mom. She said, obviously, she said, because you've chosen these two things two paths that are so challenging and yet it is what makes me thrive Mm -hmm. and you know yes of course there are days i'm like oh my god what am i doing but for the most part i (laughs) understand do you i do i do it's yeah right Mm -hmm. so it's you know and and to the lay person some people are like what's crazy just stop it just yeah no go do something no. normal. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, no. exactly. It's not a choice for us. No. And so I'm like, someday somebody will understand. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get me. <laughs> but you do so much because you're also an integrative nutrition yes. certified health coach, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so I went, so I went to nutrition school. So I was doing my own demos. So when, you're, when you have a food company, I, I learned I, literally the first six months I form my corporation mm-hmm. for Mac and Moe's, I, my brain, I thought I can't, I can't learn any more three, 
three letter codes. There were UPCs and SOS, and I'm like, oh my god, GMO, literally. GMO, I, oh my job, OMG, OMG, yeah, <laughs> LOL. So it was like all these three coded. So I would go and do my own demos in the stores because you have to sell yeah. your product. We always see people doing demos, especially right. in LA, and they're it, always vegan, gluten free, blah blah right. blah. Yeah, and I would start having people kind of get very defensive people are very 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 defensive about food choices they can be yeah they can be and it's the natural food market i mean you kind of get the you can get some crazies Mm -hmm. so i had some people attack me Mm -hmm. you know oh so what you think splend is bad or you 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 think yes yeah sorry that's me yeah Yeah, no it's horrible yeah and so, so what? So you think that the, the 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 treats for your dad? You think this is going to save him? It's going to cure him? And I said, I think it's going to make him happy, mm-hmm. and it's not going to hurt him. Yeah. And like the other oh, so treats would. Yeah. And I, he said, Oh, so you, so you're saying you know agave? You can't. I said he's diabetic. And mm-hmm. so what's sodium? We our bodies need sodium. He's a heart patient. You mm-hmm. know, he's restricted. And then I started getting really defensive. There was one demo. I literally packed up and left. I got oh. in my car. I said, and I thought I was going to just start screaming at the person or crying and Aww. i'm like i'm just going home i did this for my dad i didn't do this to, for people to yell right at me. right like, i'm not trying to be the new face of whatever i'm just trying to help the people that want to be yeah helped. and that's and i said i'm not trying to tell you you have to eat this way i'm just saying here's an alternative and and they're only looking at you as a reflection of what's wrong with themselves and they don't realize it at the time but it has nothing to do with you right but that's the evolved Oh, That's of course. In the me, moment, like, you're yeah. like, F you, mom. Yeah. This is how to help my dad. Uh, yeah. So, no, I think what you said is so uh, pertinent. Uh, people are very, have very strong opinions about their food choices. And like I have encountered people, I think Splenda is horrible. So is sweet and low. So is equal. Mm-hmm, it's the, mm-hmm. the the worst shit you could have. Like one of the. Mm-hmm. It's worse than white it's, sugar. It's yeah. way worse than white sugar. People, oh, yeah. And people totally. Think, and thank you, FDA. People think that it's fine, especially with diabetics. I have encountered diabetics that are like, oh, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it, no, it's not. It's mm-hmm. chemicals. Mm-hmm. And it's been b- bombarded with, with hydrogen atoms or whatever they do to it that make it not sugar. Mm-hmm. So your body's going, oh, I don't know, know what, what this is. is. Right. I'm going to stick it in your liver because I just right. I don't even recognize it. That's not better. Mm-hmm. No. That, and then they have the cancer warnings or whatever on the packets. And they mm-hmm. it, you know clear themselves of any... Kind of possible wrongdoing because everything's okay in trace amounts, in trace right. Amount, right? Until you, until you until have you, that. But we don't have not. trace amounts of until anything. No, right. we don't. Well, and that's the thing. Like I and I and I would say this to, and I still say it to my clients. But I will say, I'm not going to eat anything. Like I'm not going to put anything into my products or advocate anything that I personally won't eat. Yeah. So if I won't personally put it in my body, it's not going into Mac and Mo's. It's Good not going into you. my mix. It's not going into, and. Then I actually had a number of people say, "Oh, what are you a are you a doctor? Are you a nutritionist?" Huh. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "I so You're like is that a challenge?" So you went to nutrition so, school. So I went to nutrition <laughs> school, but and this is a true story. So a couple of years after my dad survived, you know, and Mac and Mo's was my life. I had put acting on the back burner, and it wasn't really a conscious choice. It was just there was no time. Yeah. So I was turning down auditions and turning down work because literally I was renting a space in a kitchen in Pasadena and my boyfriend and I would drive there and you know start 
baking and hand scooping everything. And it was wow. literally, that was that's hard my work. life. And yeah. I started getting up at four o'clock in the morning. That, mm. that oh, that's me. why. Yes, that's why. And then making my own deliveries to stores. And, you know, that was, so my dad, I, I they lost a huge trip. It was a trip of a lifetime when he had the quadruple bypass. They were supposed to go to China for a month. Mm-hmm. And my dad didn't buy the travel insurance so I had to call the company I said my dad's in ICU like he's not they're not going to China but please can can we extend can we get a a, not a refund but can you know in in a in a year maybe two years maybe he'll be able to go and the company kept saying no 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 and I of course you know took it so personally and I said he's he's you know my dad is in icu and he's you know he's he could be dying and you you, all he kept asking was you know we're still gonna go to china right oh my god how heart-wrenching yeah so my mother said don't say anything so that was my mission at the Mm -hmm. time just to get that trip saved for them so finally it got to the point i said you don't know who you're dealing with like i'm the irish girl who survived (laughs) (laughs) she's irish yeah and i survived a lot and i'm fighting for my dad now so I went to the local news station in Sacramento. Good for and, you. And I did this whole beautiful letter. And I sent it in an email. And I copied this travel company. Within five minutes, I got a call from one of Five the, minutes? I swear to God. Five minutes. Yes. Phone call from, uh, it wasn't the president, but it was like a big, big. Executive. A big the, executive. Yeah personally offering you know just don't don't post that and we're going to give your parents they have two years to use the da 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 but you say and i want an upgrade and i said (laughs) i said shame on you for making me go this far and you know you should have done this out of the goodness of your heart you know based on what happened to my father but you know and he and then he said but i'm going to do this and it's completely against our policy blah, blah blah i said i don't care your policy it's about people sometimes it's just about people and um and he said well just promise that your dad will buy travel insurance next time he said oh he will trust (laughs) me so and as a thank you my dad said you know he was so grateful because i saved you know this trip was a big trip and it was you know it was a trip of a lifetime so it was a lot of their money that you know so he was very grateful so he said what do you want what do you want i said i want to go i want to go to tahiti so, because he said, I want to take everybody on a trip as a thank you to you. And I said, well, just send me. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so he booked us a trip. And my boyfriend, my sister, mom, dad, and I went on a cruise to Tahiti. Wow. And so a week before we left, they wanted to put in a pacemaker for my dad and he's wait no we'll wait we'll wait till after but the doctor said well then you have to be extra extra good on this trip and by then i was already immersed in mac and mo's and everything and i'd always been studying my butt off on nutrition but i hadn't been in school and so my parents still thought i was very extreme with my Mm -hmm. ideas and food choices and what i was trying to get them to do and so i'd made my dad promise that he would be good i said if you're not going to get the pacemaker before we go you know i don't want any crap happening yeah oh yeah i'll be good i'll be good so the night before the cruise was to end my dad legally died in front of all of us and it was 
the most horrendous thing we've ever, ever, ever. Um, and I'm so sorry. But he, they revived him. <gasps> Whoa! He legally died. Legally died in front of us. I was not the, expecting to hear that. Wait. Oh, I yeah. know, because I was like, on the website, no. it says he's alive. I'm no, so he is alive, and he's still alive. Okay. So he... Fighting Irish, the fighting Irish. Both of you. I mean, well, that's the thing. Holy so my mom crap. is like, "Oh Jesus, Mary Joseph, I have to stay healthy because back and more." You know. <laughs> so he. My jaw's open. My jaw's dropped. No, it was. It was. It changed all of our lives, and it changed me. I think almost at one point for the worse. At, at some point, because I'm like, basically, Doug, my boyfriend, my sister Shauna, we all were. St- and I say this, and you don't know, because t- t- to anybody else, they're like stuck in Tahiti. We were stuck in Tahiti um, when they finally got him stable enough. It, they had to keep him on the nope, ship. I get it. For, I was stuck in the Netherlands once. Okay, and it sucks. When it you're, does. Yeah, it does. Because you because it used to be a paradise, and now you're like, I it's can't hell. leave. You can't yeah. leave. And my dad was in a coma in ICU oh, in a God. Tahitian hospital, and no one spoke English. Oh my god, no one. So, French? and I'm, it was all French. French. Yeah. So I, this is what I did. I, I don't speak French. So I pulled out every baking term I knew, every ballet term I learned, every French <laughs> song I learned, and I was trying to communicate. And then um, Doug and Shauna finally had to fly back to California and I stayed with mom and we were in this, you know, little, the owners were wonderful, but it was, you know, kind of a crappy motel, but mm-hmm. it was right near the hospital. Mom and I were eating at the friggin' Bonjour, which was like the AMPM. Mm-hmm. Um, instant coffee. Like, the, this was our It was diet. like your hospital food. Yeah, it was hell. And um, I was using their computer. The The motel people, the manager, the owner of the motel was amazing. They let me use their computer, but we were on fumes, no mm-hmm. sleep, and just mm-hmm. like, is dad going to make it or not? Right. And we couldn't understand the doctors. Mm-hmm. All I could understand was sel et sucre très dangereux pour le cœur, which is salt and sugar, I very dangerous sugar, for, yeah. the cart, yeah. for the heart. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, they knew what he had eaten the night before. And I was like, I was so mad at him at the time because I'm like, oh, God, I told him he had to be good. And yeah. now we're in this freaking ICU right. shit in the hospital that no one speaks English. And mm. um, the computer, so I was trying to get in touch with everybody in the States. And I'm typing, I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? The computer was in French. So all the keyboard oh, yeah. was completely different. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all I didn't even know. I had to look at every letter. I'm like, I don't understand how to type on this. And oh, even God. Google was different. Everything was different. So oh, I lost it. I was just sobbing uncontrollably. Like, <sighs> and my mom, I was the one who was keeping it together, like for insurance and all of that. And um Finally, I'm like, I I can't do it anymore. I I'm giving up Mac and Mo's, and I'm I'm just I'm. And my mom said, Mora, cookies crumble, morsels do not. <laughs> oh my god! I was, like, I was like, hashtag. Who the hell are you? And I was like, and I started laughing. Like she's like, do not, do not. And literally, when we finally got the medic and the okay, and when Dad came to and we got, you know escorted back on a plane mm. to the states the next day and i, I said to my boyfriend i said i'm, I'm, I'm done with mac and Mo's. i'm done i'm gonna go back to acting the next day i enrolled in nutrition school 
<laughs> go figure. <laughs> so that became, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was, I was like, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm really committed now. So that's long story short. Who else wants a free, fresh bottle of olive oil shipped straight to their door? Let me back up. The first time I went to Italy, I finally tasted real olive oil for the first time. It's not that I had never had olive oil before, of course, in the States, but the difference was I was having olive oil made fresh from olives that were growing on the property in Ravello off the Amalfi Coast. It was an experience I will never forget, and I ended up shipping like six bottles of it home because I couldn't bear to go back to store-bought processed olive oil. Well, the same thing happened to TJ Robinson. He's also known as the olive oil hunter. He learned that olive oil packs the most flavor and the healthiest nutrients when it's fresh from the farm. And that's the problem with your typical like supermarket olive oil the olive oil is not fresh. They can sit on the shelf for months, years growing stale. And that's why I'm so excited that I now get my olive oil direct from small award-winning farms. Thanks to TJ, who I just did an olive oil tasting with, which was so fun. I absolutely fell in love with their vibrant, fresh, grassy flavors. They're totally delicious. They're great on veggies, pasta, salad, you name it. And TJ has his fresh pressed olive oil club and food heals nation he will send you a full-size bottle worth 39 dollars of one of the world's finest most artisanal olive oils fresh from the latest harvest but he's only going to charge you one dollar to help cover shipping there's no commitment to buy anything now or ever it's his gift to food heals nation so you can get your free 39 dollar bottle for just one dollar shipping taste the difference taste the freshness you can go to get fresh 323.com. That's getfresh323.com. You'll get your free bottle and you'll pay $1 for shipping. Getfresh323.com. Well, you have quite good stories. Thank you for sharing them with us. Thank you for listening. Yeah. So I know you have some detoxes. I do. Yes. So, um, I have a more salacious 21 day detox because as you know, it takes 21 days to start a new habit for it to form. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of clients will come to me because they either want to lose weight or they just want to get healthier or alleviate some pain, um, eat cleaner, better skin. And so my 21-day and 30-day detox is all about eating real food. And it's exactly what you had said at the beginning of this interview. And my my belief and my rule is 85%, if if you're eating clean, real, whole food, 85% of the time, you know, and that's kind of a detox if you're because most yeah. of us are eating on the go, processed mm-hmm. food, eating out. Yep. That doesn't count. Right. It's if you're I mean, because of my because of celiac, too, I, I pretty much cook all my meals. Yeah. I'm never without my food bag. Mm-hmm. I travel with a food bag. Yeah. Uh, at the airport. Trust me, it's a whole thing. I've got <laughs> multiple food bags. Oh, yeah. But um, it's it's about, you know, eating and, and finding really fun and tasty, like this, your guacamole, that stuff. It's stuff that will satiate people, but also real. Has like this health is benefits. Yeah, health benefits. Yes. So it everything is optimal nutrition. And mm-hmm. so are you feeding your body? Are you feeding your soul? Are you feeding? And it also, the detox that I teach and that I advocate incorporates social and exercise and pure you know drinking water Mm -hmm. and things that you really love like if you love wine 
maybe it's not part of the first 21 days. Right. Maybe, maybe on a Sunday, you know, so you don't deprive yourself. I personally, I'd given up coffee for a couple of years mm-hmm. and I was in New York for the past two years, kind of off and on reviving my acting career. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't get, when I was out and about and it's winter, I make a an unsweetened cocoa, a more delicious mojo at home that's Yum. to die, to die. That sounds so good. But I couldn't get it anywhere. They don't sell yeah. it anywhere because right. everyone puts sugar and crap oh, and everything. Oh, yeah. It's so hard to find like, like a healthy latte. Right. In LA, yeah. it's actually not as bad. LA is better. But yeah. but still, like they want to put sweetened or sweet. Right. So I finally was like, I'm better off just getting, you know, espresso or coffee. Mm-hmm. It's pure and... I'm like, oh, God, it's good. I really like it. So, <laughs> you know, those things. I'm like, okay, yeah. so it's not maybe perfect, but there are health benefits to that too. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me really function. happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, yeah. So with people on my program, yes, you eat guacamole. Yes, you eat avocado. But you better make it or you better know what's in it. You better be able to read all the ingredients. You better, you know, know it's not coming from not to single out fast food restaurants but, no you know. but this is so true i just had guacamole the other day mm-hmm. at um it wasn't a fast food restaurant it wasn't a fancy rest- mm-hmm. restaurant it's kind of in between mm-hmm. and um i was like okay the only healthy option that i see here is just guacamole so that's what i'm gonna eat and mm-hmm. and so the guacamole was the only option that seemed healthy to mm-hmm. me a- mm-hmm. out of everything that they offered there so i ordered it and my stomach started hurting about 30 minutes later and i know oh. it was because that guacamole was processed it was probably uh. full of chemicals it was mm-hmm. probably not made fresh mm-hmm. and i kind of knew it going in there but i was like look i have to make a decision i'm hungry right. and I don't want to not eat and it's so unfortunate because I know if I make it at home it is pure it is delicious and my stomach never hurts, hurts. right because avocado is so amazing yeah I mean, the, oh my god it's, and I put pineapple in it I do all kinds of oh good stuff. yeah See, yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's real so that's that's my detox and that's my idea of a detox and people are like oh you can eat on it and I said yeah because you're eating real food like you're eating it's nutrition and if you are really eating optimal nutrition you you don't need to take a ton of vitamins a ton of supplements because you're getting your yeah vitamins through the food and so uh, this workshop that I, I just taught two weeks ago for uh kids for big brothers big sisters mm. it was three weeks ago actually um about eating the rainbow and I'm a huge advocate I said if you eat the rainbow every day you're getting your micronutrients if you're really eating from the rainbow every day in every color and you know, there's it's nature's but don't you pharmacy. think that a lot of unless we're eating organic, we're not necessarily getting all the nutrients. Well, yeah, yes, you're right. Because it's I not, do eat organic. You know, yes. Organic it's not like the soil. It, organic and also picked fresh. I mean, like things are picked and then they are left to ripen in the few days, but days or weeks before you get them. And so Th- that's very true. I mean, and I'm not saying don't take vitamins or supplements, but I say, but I don't take a lot of them, and I I cook almost all my own food. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I have to, you know, but I, I, and I do buy most organic, not all organic, but most, especially anything from the Dirty Dozen, I will not buy. Well, can we talk about that? What's on the Dirty Dozen list? Oh gosh. Apples, um, grapes. Avocado is pretty safe because it's such a hard So it's stuff with a thinner skin. or Thinner skin and heavily pesticide. Um, You can go on the website because it changes Mm -hmm. every few months. Seasonally. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you Google Google (laughs) the Dirty Dozen (laughs) and Clean 15. So oranges, 
are pretty, you know, if you like can't get organic. Because it's a thicker it's skin. Thick, right? skin. Um, bananas. Bananas, the thicker skin, avocado, thicker skin. Um, anything you're going to eat the skin. Apples are heavily pesticided. Uh, blueberries are heavily pesticided. Uh, spinach. Um, trying to think of what else. It's so funny. I, I mean, I... I usually will Google it before I teach a workshop because it does change. change yeah. mm-hmm. I can go through it really quick. Um, I just pulled this oh, up from Perfect. Google. So the 12 most contaminated are peaches, apples, sweet bell peppers, celery, nectarines, strawberries, cherries, pears, grapes that are imported, spinach, lettuce, spinach, lettuce, and potatoes. The 12 least contaminated. This first one surprises me, actually. Onions. It's mm-hmm. kind of surprising. Yeah. Why? Um, because That's it doesn't... underground. I guess, but it doesn't have a very thick skin. But, but I guess it's so deeply underground. Yeah. Okay. So and pesticides are usually from bugs, from pests, from from, from spray. Yeah. No, from no, no. But oh, I'm right, saying right. That they're for to to prevent, to prevent bugs from eating them. Yes, so things yes, underground, yes, yes. carrots. I would imagine carrots are not really because they're underground. They're root vegetables. Potatoes are weird. No, potatoes are definitely a um, a dirty dozen, and I think carrots. I don't see carrots on it's either list. Like, they may, this may was, not be a comprehensive just, this, this list. This is just a theory, but I was just yeah. thinking like the, it's usually from bugs. Okay, so so worms could get in, right, to, to mm-hmm. root vegetables. But you're just thinking usually bugs mm-hmm. that eat the leafy greens or the, the, the fruits or the, on, the things that are buzzing around on, on the surface right. as opposed to underground. But and this That is, was just a theory. This is from Environmental Working Group. So that usually I, I is trust a good them. source. Yeah. Yeah. I also pay attention to the GMOs. I'm yes. a huge advocate of non-GMO. Yeah. Is there anything that isn't GMO? That's not on this list, but um, let me just finish the 12 least contaminated so mm-hmm. we do both. Yes, yes. Onions, avocado, sweet frozen corn, pineapples, mangoes, asparagus, sweet peas that are frozen, kiwi fruit, bananas, cabbage, broccoli, and papaya. So that's the least contaminated. That if you don't get organic, it's kind of okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but GMOs—that's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh. I mean, is there anything that isn't GMO nowadays? Um, yes, and there are things that are less because I, I'm Mac and Moses non-GMO project verified, and that process is grueling. Well, that's but good. Yes. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's... because you know, fair trade is not a grueling process. Like those standards are so light. And so to hear that oh, that's a grueling oh, no, process makes grueling. me happy. Yeah. You know, no, it's grueling. Good. And they, I mean, yeah. not to put pressure oh, no, on you, no, but no, no, as no. it should be. <laughs> but <right>? Enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> and I do. Oh, yes. It's a challenge. And we know how I feel about challenges. <laughs> She's a fighting Irish girl. Indeed. Fuck off, challenges. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I did dancing at Luna, so don't you know? Oh, I can tell. I can hear. <laughs> All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for being here. Can thank you? you? Yes. Can you tell us where everyone can find you online, follow you, stalk you? Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, macandmos.com, M-A-C-N-M-O-S.com. And then all my social media is connected there. I, I'm on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. YouTube. I have a YouTube channel with me making my recipes, my yes. most delicious recipes. <laughs> no, thank you for being here. Thank you. And sharing your story. Thank you for having me. All right. To hear the full episode with Mora, go back to episode 126 of Food Heals. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.